Hey all, my name is Brian Baird. Welcome to my program called Truth is Truth. The program is a faith-based podcast. I will be discussing biblical truth, biblical faith, biblical faith in politics, and many of my life experiences relating to both, and hopefully experiences of others who are willing to be involved. This will be an evolving life application program that people will be able to apply to their lives every day as it pertains to them. Please join me as we learn the truth together. Thank you, and God bless. Hi all, Brian Baird here again, host of Truth is Truth podcast with another episode of season two. Episode four is a continuation of a previous podcast, but with more information as we move toward the return of our Lord and Savior. The positive fact in this is that Jesus will return, and that is absolute truth. I, for one, am looking forward to that and not doubtful at all. So let's shortly recap and move forward. I want to say up front that I think the last days begin with the birth of Jesus and will conclude in Christ's return to the earth to set up his kingdom. Perilous times indicates that apostasy, or as I will say, the following of untruth and lies, will be prominent in the final days of the church age. Before we get into our Bible verses, just to, you'll have to excuse me, I apologize. Uh, spring has sprung and I'm fighting allergies uh, like many, many people do, and for some reason... Uh, depending on what I eat, uh, especially onions, uh, affect how I sound and how I breathe. So bear with me. Uh, we'll get through this. And uh, this, this is the time that I had to record this. It's Easter Sunday uh, at about uh, 10 till 2. And I've had lunch. And of course, in that lunch, I had onions. So <laughs> I'm suffering a little bit. But needless to say, I've got a, a deeper voice at this point in time. So uh, that's not too bad. But let's get started. And again, uh, we need to understand the times that we are in and in, that the Bible includes past, present, and future. So even though we're talking in past tense in, in a lot of ways, we're talking in uh, present tense and future tense. And you just have to understand the concept and the context of uh, the verses that we're going we're gonna to be going through. So we're going to be in 2 Timothy, if there's anybody interested in getting your Bible out. We're going to start out in chapter 3. We're going to end up in chapter 4. 2 Timothy 3.1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. The last days, again, being not only in history but in present and future. Perilous times is used to describe the evil nature of demon-possessed men. Matthew 28 talks about that, 8.28. The word for times doesn't really have to do with clock or calendar time. Such evil, savage, dangerous men will increase in numbers and increasing danger and evil as the return of Christ approaches. The church age is overrun with these dangerous movements, accumulating strength as the end nears. In previous lessons, Timothy is being warned by Paul a false teaching that will come in the church. In this lesson, Paul speaks in truth of the last days. This will be things that are happening primarily out of the church and society itself, but much of it taking a place in the church, unfortunately. These times would be of much uncertainty and danger, and I think this is speaking of the current days in which we live. 2 Timothy 3.2 For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Lovers of their own selves here is, is truer in our society today than ever before. Much of this can be blamed on the teaching secular humanism in the schools. It is being taught that everything is relative to something else. They are not taught absolutes, especially of discipline. 
The Bible teaches absolutes. Children grow up believing themselves to be the center of life, and they find it very hard to put God at the center of their life. They, because of this, become lovers of their own selves. They are being brainwashed and accept these things blindly. When you believe that you are at the center of all things, then you will believe that anything you want should be yours, even if it belongs to someone else. Coveting and taking what does not belong to you is loving yourself more than others. Blasphemy is everywhere. The television, movie houses, video rentals are full of cursing and, and worse. Many times the name of God is included in this cursing, which would certainly be blasphemy. There are so many divorces in our world today that a child may not quickly remember or realize who their parent is. Many grandparents are raising their grandchildren because their children are lost in this worldly life. A few parents are trying to raise their children with respect for their parents, but they are thrown in with children from problem homes in the schools to such an extent that many otherwise obedient children become disobedient because of association, and they become in this strong-willed. Uh, and as you know, there was a book written years ago by Dr. James Dobson, The Strong-Willed Child, and it explains that. Uh, and he does a really good job of that, and that is still relevant today. Kids and adults have been given so many things they haven't earned that they have the idea that someone else owes them a living, and they have been given to so much that they have become ungrateful and unthankful. I know we made our children say thank you and, and you're welcome uh, in things that they did as they were growing up, and that's tough. Uh, I have a grandchild right now that has a really hard time saying please uh, because it's not natural to them. They think they should have it regardless. Uh, but just think about it for a minute. Um, how many times uh, do you have someone ask or tell their parents to give them something in here and they never say please, they never say thank you when they get it? Um, it's just a society that we have gotten into that's disrespectful, uh, not only to the parents, but to one another uh, throughout. Um, you know, you go to a restaurant today and you say thank you for them uh, bringing you something or taking a dish, and, and what you get is no worries, no problem. Uh, absolutely. Um, words like that. Whatever happened to your welcome, uh, meaning you're very willing to do what you've just done, um, and you know that you're being paid to do that. There's, there's an acceptance level there um, that we need to understand. But we've lost that. We've lost a lot of that. If you just look at the Ten Commandments of the Bible and how they're broken so often that many do not even remember what they are. God is holy. He said for us to be holy because he is holy. To be holy means to live above sin. Today, there are fewer marriages as many people just live together. The Bible calls that adultery. Most everyone covets today. Homosexuality and being someone or something other than what you were born created is called an alternate lifestyle. God calls it an abominable sin. And I could go on. If you really look around, you will have to say we are unholy as a society. 2 Timothy 3.3 Without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Mothers and fathers are abandoning their children. Women are destroying their unborn children. We do not care for and guide our families in truth and raise them in righteousness. This is what is called without natural affection. People did not sue each other over slight things. Now an agreement has to be in writing and signed to be legal. People will break a truce. Uh, if it will be an advantage to them. 
Not too far in the past, a person would shake hands with you on a deal and it was done. Wow, are those days past today. We are false accusers to our neighbors and even our family. We accuse them of things we do not know to be true or know are not true. Incontinent means not having self-control. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse, child abuse are just a few of the issues showing incontinence. Fierce describes what is going on in our streets today with the drive-by shootings, violent riots with the destruction of many innocent lives in many ways. Uh, This hatefulness causes people to taunt those who try to live holy lives. These hateful people lash out at good people to try to make themselves look innocent. Timothy 3, 4, 2 Timothy 3, 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Loyalty is a thing of the past, not only toward a friend, but also toward this country. Your supposed friend will forsake you for little. Anyone thinking or being this way is really being disloyal or traitorous to yourself. Heady means falling forward. This would be considered unstable in all your ways. High-minded means to inflate with self-conceit. How many things in our life come before this one and only true living God and creator of all things? I would speculate many things. What reasoning do we make for not going to a church to worship and fellowship in God, sports events, golfing, fishing, hunting, even gardening or waxing your back? Anything that you enjoy more than fellowshipping with God and fellow believers falls into this category. Even work, men, women, even work. Second Timothy 3, 5. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Having a form of godliness, form, refers to outward shape or appearance. False teachers and their followers are concerned with external appearances. Their outward form of Christianity and virtue makes them all the more dangerous, such as the Pharisees in the Bible. Denying the power thereof involves the turning away from God's truth and who he is. This is showing the outward appearance, but no strength in faith and belief of the heart for God, as truly is and should be. Someone might appear to be a Christian to the world. Some may even profess to be a true believer. But will God declare you a Christian, a true believer? By the condition of your heart, or will he say, I never knew you, depart from me, as in Matthew 7, 23? That should be the question that gets your attention, not what the world says or thinks. Now we will be going to chapter 4 of 2 Timothy to conclude this episode. This is really important to our current condition and circumstances. This is Paul again talking to Timothy. Timothy was a preacher evangelist. 2 Timothy 4, 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. I charge thee, or you can use the word command, I command thee. This is a forceful order as Paul gets down to where the rubber meets the road. Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, this can mean in the presence of God, even Christ Jesus which is probably the best meaning in my eyes as he is about to be introduced as the judge. Christ, who shall judge. That means Christ is about to judge. Paul is emphasizing the accountability that all believers, and especially ministers of the word of God, have Christ as their judge. He will one day appraise, not condemn, the works of every believer. This is not a judgment of condemnation, but one of evaluation, evaluation. 
Our salvation has allowed us to be judged already and found righteous. We are no longer subject to the condemnation of sin because of the sacrifice and shedding of the blood of Christ that we hold on to. Romans 8, 1 through 4. The quick and the dead. Christ will ultimately judge all men in three distinct settings. First, the judgment of believers after the rapture. Uh, you can find that in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and several places. Second, the sheep and the goats, judgment of the nations, in which believers will be separated from unbelievers for entrance into the millennial kingdom, as in Matthew 25, 31-33. And third, the great white throne judgment of unbelievers only, Revelations 20, 11-15. Paul's referring to judgment in its general sense, which includes all those elements. His appearing, the word appearing, literally means a shining forth. Paul is referring generally to Christ's second coming when he will judge the living and the dead and establish his millennial and eternal kingdom. Jesus will appear in the sky to call his children out of this earth to their eternal home. The quick in the verse above are those who are alive at the coming of the Lord. These are those who will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. The word therefore connects this chapter to the preceding chapter in the light of all the signs of the last days in the last chapter. This is what you are to do. His kingdom is separate. That is when he sets up his kingdom, uh, the reign on this earth. This is the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ Jesus upon the earth. Jesus is the judge of the world. We are judged his or not his. The sheep, Christians, believers, belong to Jesus. The rest belong to Satan. There is no doubt in my mind that there's two types of people in this world today. Those who belong to God and those who belong to Satan. And they can't work together. They can't stay together. They can't be together. It just doesn't work out. And it will be that way in eternity. It will not work out. Second Timothy 4.2 Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Preach the word or the word, the written word of God. His complete revealed truth is written in the Bible. Be instant is like a soldier prepared to go into battle, being continually alert for any surprise attack. In season, out of season, the faithful must proclaim the word when it is popular and or convenient, and when it is not, when it seems suitable to do so, and when it seems not. This is talking of any true believer. But here, Paul is talking to Timothy as a preacher. Reprove, rebuke, the negative side of teaching, preaching the word. The reproof and correction. Reprove refers to correcting behavior or false doctrine by using right biblical truth to help a person understand the error of their actions. The Greek word for rebuke deals more with correcting the person's motives by convincing him of his sin and leading him to repentance. Exhort, doctrine, the positive side of teaching preaching, the teaching and training, or exhorting, I really like here that Paul does not just say preach. He says preach the word. The word of God, the Bible, is the power. Being instant in season and out of season is just saying staying ready at all time. Speak the truth of God's word whenever and wherever you have the opportunity. Exhort can mean to pray, comfort, and draw near. This is just saying not to get weary in preaching to those who are far off. Preach to them, pray for them in love, tell them of their errors, and then preach to them again. Do not give up until they draw near unto God or accept Satan. 
Give them the truth, and do not get weary in giving the truth. Have patience with them, and they will hear and receive. 2 Timothy 4.3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, not endure. This refers to holding up under adversity or tolerate. Many people would and have become intolerant of the preaching of the truth in God's word. Having itching ears, some professing Christians in the church follow their own desires and follow preachers who offer them God's blessings without the thought of forgiveness and his salvation without repentance. These do not pertain to God's ways. Some self-professing Christians want to be entertained by words and emotion that will produce pleasant sensations and leave them with good feelings about themselves, but not the truth of God's word. Their end game is that men preach in accordance to their own desires. Under those conditions, people will dictate what men preach rather than God dictating it by his word. We, unfortunately, are experiencing this in the church world today. Sound doctrine teaches sacrifice of self. Sound doctrine teaches walking each day in the salvation Christ has provided. Sound doctrine teaches living in a holy, separated life to God. Sound doctrine is the word of God. There's great falling away in the church today, not only in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense as well. Many go to church but want to hear a message of nothing but God's love. They would tell us not to speak against shedding of innocent blood. And more and more you hear that going away today. Nobody's talking about the shed blood, the blood. This council culture has made this sound like this is something of a ritual or violent nature. This was blood, innocent blood shed for the relief of our sins. Some would tell us not to speak of the violent evil acts of savageness and ungodly culture, adultery, or homosexual activity because it might hurt some of the members' feelings. God doesn't care about feelings. God cares about caring about us, about us caring about him, and us being obedient to him and his word. Why? Because he died for us. God manifest himself in the flesh, came to this earth because no man could do it. And in 100% God and 100% man, he sacrificed himself for our sins so that we could live in eternity with him and gave us the promise as he elevated himself to heaven. As Christ left this earth and the, the apostles were looking up to him, he left this earth and he let them know that he was going to prepare a place for them, and he would come back and get them. And they believed it so greatly that they stood looking up, waiting for him to come back right then, until he sent the angels to tell them to go on, go out through the world and, and preach the gospel and teach people what they needed to hear. Some would have us preach things pleasant to the flesh of man, to itching ears. I would say that these verses way back in history, are as relevant today as then, if not really more so. Many do not want to hear about the shed blood of Jesus. Not many want to know that Jesus is judge as well as Savior, and that there is judgment coming soon. Many do not want to hear that we need to daily follow him. Most want to hear and believe that when they become a Christian, all of their problems will be gone, and that when they come to know God, they will never be sick again. They want to believe that their money problems are over. It is sad that we are not equipping our people to face hardship because life goes on, and we will see tribulation at times. Mm -hmm. 
We are not exempt from the sins of this world and our sin because we were born in sin. We are sin. And the only thing that separates us from that sin and this world is Jesus Christ. And there is no other way. Don't be fooled. Don't listen to the lies. Our loving, holy, mighty, righteous, perfect God is also our judge. Be prepared. John sixteen thirty three says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, which you hear me say a lot. And he goes on to say, I have overcome the world. And this is why I use that phrase, be of good cheer. Because I know what the future of those who believe is. I have no doubt in my heart. I have no doubt in my mind. I have no doubt in my spirit that those of us who truly believe will be present with our Lord and Savior and our God for eternity. Timothy 4.4 And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This word fables here, this refers to a false ideology and philosophies in many forms that are against sound doctrine. Many have and will turn from the truth to a truthless false religion which pleases their fleshly thoughts and ways. Fables are speaking of doctrines that are not truth. Titus 1.14, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Second Peter 1.16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We need to spend more time in God's true word, his Bible, what he left us to keep us abreast of what is to come, what was and what will be. The true word will level out our thinking and lessen the human nature of emotion that we desire, and we will not be so easily swayed with messages and teaching that are really fables. 2 Timothy 4.5 But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Evangelism, or the good news of Christ as Savior, was viewed by New Testament writers as an essential task of the New Testament church. An evangelist used only two other times that I am aware of in the New Testament always points to a specific office of ministry for the purpose of preaching the gospel to non-Christians. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So I have to take this as these positions and duties of those specific people are in the church. As we know, the first two listed here are not relative uh, in this time in the church. That leaves the last three. But the, to preach the gospel is the call of every Christian, especially preachers and teachers, to proclaim the gospel. The work of an evangelist is to save the lost. This watching in all things means to stay grounded in the word and be moderate. Paul warns Timothy again that there are afflictions associated with serving God. Paul told Timothy not to waver from or in the ministry. He must be fully persuaded and also give this message without wavering from the truth. 2 Timothy 4.7 In his last days, this is Paul speaking to Timothy to let him know, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. A good fight and have finished, have kept, indicates 
completed action with continuing results. Paul saw his life as complete. He had been able to accomplish through the Lord's power all that God called him to do. He was a soldier, an athlete, and a guardian. The faith is the truth and standards of the revealed Word of God. This is a gross misunderstatement. Most men would have given up long ago, but not Paul. His faith was strong and never wavered. Regardless of the hardship he was facing, he had ministered to the very end. God has a job for each of us to do in this life. Paul is saying he has done what the Lord Jesus called him to do. He believes in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, just as strongly at the end as he did when he first met him on the road to Damascus, and maybe even more. 2 Timothy 4.8 Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. A crown of righteousness, the Greek word for crown literally means surrounding, and it was used of the plated wreaths or garlands placed on the heads of dignitaries and victorious military officers or athletes. Like the crown of life, James 1.12, the crown of exaltation in 1 Thessalonians, the imperishable crown, 1 Corinthians, and the crown of glory in 1 Peter, in which life, rejoicing, imperishability, and glory describe the nature of the crown. The context here seems to indicate the crown represents eternal righteousness. Believers receive the imputed righteousness of Christ, justification at salvation, Romans. The Holy Spirit works practical righteousness, sanctification in the believer throughout his lifetime of struggle with sin. But only when the struggle is complete will the Christian receive Christ's righteousness, perfected in him, the glorification when he enters heaven. And that righteous judge is God, Christ. That day is the day of the Lord, the day we stand before Christ. His appearing is when the Lord returns to earth in glory to judge and to establish his kingdom. Now that Paul's given work on this earth was done, he was looking forward to standing before the Lord Jesus and hear him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. The crown of righteousness is speaking of us being in right standing before God because the Lord Jesus has clothed us in his righteousness. There will be a crown awaiting those who believe. For those of us who are true believers and have fully accepted Christ, as our one and only true living God, creator of all things and redeemer of those who will accept that. We should be looking forward to the coming of our Lord. Stay in the faith and keep looking up for the day of our Lord draweth nigh. My hope and prayer is that this podcast not only has opened someone's eyes to the truth, but those who know the truth will be blessed by the comfort and joy of the true knowledge of Christ. Keep the faith that comes from Christ and look to him always. Be kind to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Protect the weak, help the needy, and please, please pray for one another. I named this podcast or titled it Where We Are as Believers and What We Should Be Doing. And I hope in this second season, episode four, that you got that truth and that you understand what it is that God has called us to do and what we should all do. And listen, we all fail. I fail miserably every single day. But my heart is true. 
I love my God, and I want to do what he gives me to do the best that I can. Because someday I want to stand in front of Christ and him say, well done. I hope that happens. I pray that I do things that he wants me to do well enough that that happens. But we need to understand we have to help each other. As true believers, we have to stand strong. We have to be indivisible. I keep saying that word. We have to be indivisible. We say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, and in that we use it. We we need to be indivisible. Uh, That's talking about us. It's talking about us as a country. But we as believers, we as true followers of Christ, we must be indivisible. This country is already divided. It has been divided for a long, long time. We are seeing nothing new under the sun. We're just seeing more evil as we get longer into the days before God's return. But we have hope. We can have joy in God's word, in his truth, and his promises because his promises are true. God is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. He will never change. He will not change his mind, and he will not give us anything but absolute truth. And in that absolute truth, we have confidence in who he is and what he has done for us. And we need to take that confidence, and we need to give it to other people. And we need to help them that are struggling with that. And we need to show them through our lives and through our words that we are indivisible. We are of one nation, one nation under God, because that's who we are. I hope this has been a blessing. I really do. Uh, These get tougher and tougher to do as I try to teach more and more of what God's putting on my heart. But I hope you will stay with me. I hope you will continue to come back, and I hope you will share these words with someone else. It doesn't take much to just share the podcast. Whether you like them or not, whether they make you feel really good or not, they are God's truth. And that's all I can do. And I think you will see if you read through First and Second Timothy or read through any uh, book of the Bible that Paul has authored, that that is what he did. He told the truth. He didn't worry about the emotion. He didn't worry about all the other things in life. He didn't worry about the, the result or, I guess, the punishment that he was going to receive. As we all know, Paul was pretty well punished a lot. Um, but that is why I can be here in these podcasts, and that's why I can do these things, and I can do it with confidence because I know the true living God and the word that he's given me. And I just want us all to know that. Again, I will say the worst thing about eternity for those who do not believe will be the separation from God because we really don't know what that's like. Because God is in all creation that we see here on this earth. We really do not know what it's going to be like to be without God. We're in the presence of that. That really wakes me up for those who don't believe But just keep listening, keep praying, keep preaching. We'll get there. And as always, 
be of good cheer. Our Lord is returning soon. God bless you all. And again, I hope to be here again shortly, Lord willing. And I hope you'll be here to listen. Thank you.